Blog Talk Radio. Talk News and History. We call it the Airline Radio Hour. 
bringing you stories from here and there and from airline to airline. Hi, my name is Neil Holland, a retired captain with Eastern Airlines and producer of the show. If you're listening in on the show's website, which is blogtalkradio.com forward slash Captain Eddie, that's abbreviated Captain, C-A-P-T-E-D-D-I-E. That's blogtalkradio.com forward slash Captain Eddie. And if you'd like to call in and talk with our guest, our host, or just add your comments, then why not call us at 213-816-1611. Again, that's 213-816-1611, and your voice will be on the show. The producer will see your number on the caller's board and ask if you'd like to join the host and share those memories with us. You know, we're a satellite-based radio station, and we're heard around the world. As a matter of fact, we have listeners in over 50 countries. So before I go any further, I'd like to say thank you to the following countries that listened to our show last week. At least had one caller or more uh, representing the following countries, Panama, Costa Rica, Guatemala, Israel, Canada, Mexico, Dominican Republic, Chile, Argentina, Brazil, Ireland, the United Kingdom, Norway, Netherlands, Germany, Hungary, Switzerland, Romania, Italy, France, Spain, Portugal, South Africa, Myanmar, China, India, South Korea, Japan, and Australia showed up last week or listen during the week to our archive version of the show and we want to thank you in the following and those countries you know our broadcasting antenna is over 22,000 miles above the earth and uh, we get out we get out there let's repeat the number if you would like to add your comments to our listening audience it's 213-816-1611 call us now since last week we had a great number of uh, countries that did tune us in. Uh, oh, the song that you heard at the opening of the show was the theme music from Alaska Airlines. You know, Alaska Airlines probably did that commercial during the pandemic because it talks about safety and masking up and washing your hands and so forth. So we like to play a an airline uh, with the, each uh, episode, a different airline theme music or just uh, the uh, the music of the times for that particular airline. So uh, that was uh, a, a little jingle, I guess, from Alaska Airlines. And we've got another one here we may play from Alaska, which is very interesting. It uh, involves uh, what is a flight attendant. If we have enough time, what is a flight attendant? Very interesting uh, little clip that Alaska Airlines did. You know, uh, we've got three callers here on the line right now, and they have become hosts. <laughs> so I'm going to open their microphones as I see them on my board. The first one is uh, Jim Harris, Captain Jim Harris, a former Eastern captain, Eastern Airlines captain, and he's out in Texas somewhere. Uh, Jim, how are you, and what's happening in your backyard, and where is your backyard? <laughs> hey, uh, good afternoon to you too, Neil. Yes, I'm in Dripping Springs, Texas. It's about 15 miles due west of Austin, Texas. And the good news is I've got I've got 22 acres on a hill on a dead end road, so I really don't have any neighbors, which I like. Yeah. Uh, we we uh, 
we recently had a big ice storm here a couple of weeks ago. There was ice everywhere, clear ice. And it was probably just three-quarter inches thick on the things. It needs to see. I look out in my backyard here. I've got trees and limbs down everywhere. What a mess. But anyway, it's just one of those little trials and tribulations. Also, my electricity was off from midnight uh, midnight 30 on a Wednesday until the following Sunday. Wow. But the good news is I had a, had a generator, been in a new generator, been in the box for years sitting in my garage. So I drug it out, put some oil and gasoline in it, and pulled a little cord there, and away it went. So it powered up everything, a couple of refrigerators, a freezer, and some lights and TV. So we, we survived okay. Good. But I Very good. All this you know, mess to clean up. Yeah, okay. Very good. Uh, uh, you have probably have to haul it away yourself, or do you have service that takes uh, your uh, well, trash and picks it up? The only thing I got is my garbage gets picked up once a week, so now this is something extra. Okay. Get, well, that's great. It's something extra. All right. Well, I got I've got that portable generator. I took it out of the box too, and I'm ready for whatever hurricane comes our way. I sure <laughs> hope none do. Right, Raymond. I hope now? you don't Hello, need it, Raymond. But... Yeah. Raymond now is also it, on the. Okay. Yeah, it's best to be prepared. I guess you have a generator too, don't you, Raymond? Now in uh, the Melbourne Hello. area. Hello. Hello there, Neil. Uh, good talking with you again, and uh, our best and love to uh, Peggy, please. And congratulations okay. on Thank those you. 65 wonderful years. Oh, yeah. We, wanna, yeah. We, um, we, we don't have a generator. We've been very fortunate. We're, a lot of our uh, wiring is all underground, and uh, we've been very fortunate in that respect. So uh, we keep our fingers crossed. Uh, however, what several of our neighbors have, and they said, if you need any power, give us a call, and we'll string a wire around. <laughs> well, that's good. You live in a good, friendly neighborhood, I guess. Oh, yeah. We've been in here 47 years. And, uh, wow. Well, you burned your mortgage a long time ago, didn't you? <laughs> uh, uh, you know, it's, yeah. it's interesting to look back, you know, of what brought me here was Eastern Airlines. Uh, when Eastern was flying into Titusville yeah. and also Melbourne and also Vero Beach. And uh, with the uh, advent of uh, Eastern uh, in these three airports, they wanted a sales manager to come in. At, uh, his, and then we said, okay, I will call you. Don't call me for another transfer. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, Raymond, I, I felt like I was with IBM. I'd been moved, you know, nine months in San Diego, yeah, yeah. nine months in Richmond, nine months in Los Angeles, uh, yeah. and then uh, and nine months in uh, Orlando, and about a year or two in uh, New Smyrna, and finally here. Wow! Wow! So well, I remember. It. I remember pulling that beautiful, sleek uh, 727-200 series into Melbourne one day, and I, I looked out with the ramp serviceman directing me in toward the gate. Didn't have any, uh, in Melbourne, didn't have any uh, jetways at the time. We just parked there on the ramp, mm -hmm. and I remember right. a face out there standing beside the ramp service guy, and I said, <laughs> boy, that looks familiar. He looks familiar. <laughs> And by golly, there you were, Raymond. I hadn't seen you in years and years as we used to be neighbors back in the 50s, as you recall. That was Absolutely. a long, long time ago. Oh, golly. Wow. It, it goes so goes good. Time goes so fast. 
Oh, it does. And so good to hear from you. Let's see. I got another caller here, area code. I think I know who it is. And I thought she'd be at work here. I think it's Brenda. Is that you, Brenda? No, it's not Brenda. Area code 819. Uh, that's Renee from uh, London, Ontario. Well, you've just stepped into uh, Brenda Chabot's position there because she's in Canada too, Renee. So good to hear your voice. How you been? Uh, doing fine. I've been missing your shows quite a lot lately, so I'm glad to be able to be here today and enjoy the, the conversation and everything that's going on, the music. You do a great show. Well, thank you so much, Renee. Renee is up there, and I think you used to be in Toronto uh, there in operations, didn't you? Or were you in sales? I forgot, yeah. Renee. It was uh, YYC, Toronto. Wow, Toronto, yeah, yeah, in Toronto. And what department were you in? I forgot you were in operations. Uh, I was in operations most of my time. Okay, very good, very good. So mm-hmm. we've, we've crossed paths, I'm sure. But uh, what I a wonderful... Sure too. What a wonderful family we have, and what a family we still have because of the radio show and some great Facebook pages from different uh, Eastern groups that uh, have put their presence on Facebook. We're well represented. We really are. So we are, uh, I think we're probably one of the largest airline retiree families I have found on the Internet. So that's all I see, and thank you so much, Ray, and and, uh, and Renee, and also uh, Jim Harris. I'm going to call on Jim and you guys to uh, add whatever you think. If you can stay on the line uh, during the show, we'd appreciate it. If not, we understand. You know, today is an open mic show, and so whatever you want to talk about, we'll talk about it. Uh, I do have a, an announcement about a new broadcast that starts Monday, March 6th at 8 p.m. Well, I'm not sure it's going to be at 8 p.m. I'm thinking about uh, down to 7 p.m. But at any rate, we'll publish it uh, when we uh, announce it on the on the uh, Facebook. Uh, it's at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and it's titled "Memories of a Great Airline," as told by the people of Eastern Airlines. It's not a talk show in that uh, we take no calls during the broadcast. It's a show about stories and memories as shared over the history of this former great airline, American Airline. Since its beginning in 1927 until the present, we have accumulated hundreds of stories as told by its former employees, the men and women of Eastern Airlines. You know, we started 12 years ago by just Eastern stuff and Eastern people talking 12 years ago. And we kind of got away with it because we had so many other airlines that uh, that presented themselves during the show. And we wanted to make it a story uh, or a program about all the airlines and share, uh, you know, how some of the other uh, employees from different airlines, uh, how their, their airline was. And all of them, of course, I'm sure, think as highly of their airline as we do Eastern. You know, our storytellers initially are Mr. Harry Lindquist, who's been on the show uh, as a host in the past. Harry is a former crew scheduler for Eastern. And yours truly, myself, Neil Holland, and we are both former employees. Harry's been a host of the Eastern Airlines radio show, and Neil's a producer. I'm the producer of the Eastern Airlines show and the airline radio talk show. So we think it's going to be a good sh- a good show. What you will hear are stories we have gathered and read 
Uh, there is no need to call in, but you can listen to the broadcasts as they are rep- are presented or catch them on the radio show's archive at blogtalkradio.com forward slash Captain Eddie. That's C-A-P-T-E-D-D-I-E. At this website, you can listen to each show as they are presented or the archive show if you miss the live broadcast. Many Eastern employees have asked about more stories about Eastern. We kind of got away, as I mentioned earlier, and uh, we're filling that gap, that uh, the gap that we aren't providing during our airline radio hour each Saturday. We want to, uh, folks want to hear more stories about Eastern. So we've added another day, and the one you're listening to now is uh, for airlines, and the one that we'll be doing Mondays will be stories from Eastern Airlines. Before we open the microphones uh, to our listeners uh let's see uh if anybody would like to make a comment at this point because this is an open mic show and i need all the help i can get so anybody want to make any quick announcements or say anything kind about someone else or someone else's airline or how they were treated with their own airline or whatever i'm i'm getting tired of talking i'm getting over a cold and and uh, I'm sure my voice is nothing but static coming through. But at any rate, let's hear from you guys. Otherwise, we've got some topics that we can talk about. Anybody? Anybody? Neil, Any- if I can, just this is Ray. Yeah, Ray. And, uh, you know, Eastern was the most uh, creative in their marketing with Walt Disney World. And uh, the different airlines, you know, when we were there uh, representing not just Eastern, we represented all the airlines. In Uh addition, we also represented Greyhound bus lines, and we also uh, involved with uh, the uh, Shawnee Airlines with their Stoll Airport uh, there at Disney, which was a, a very unique operation. In addition, we had our uh, attraction, if you had wings. And, you know, that's been 52 years ago, That uh, almost 52, uh, that we were involved with that. And that was a, a very memorable time for a lot of the employees. And the employees came from within Eastern System that were looking to go on with uh, the project. And I... One of the things we did, we tried to be multilingual because we felt the international market was going to be a big part of it, and it was. And I had French, I had uh, German, I had Chinese, I had Japanese, um, I had uh, Italian, Portuguese. It was amazing to be able to find within the realm of all our employees people that were anxious to be involved with a brand new project and it's a project that uh, is very memorable and also a chance where we met people from all over the world uh, whether they be from the states or otherwise so it was quite an adventure for all of us and uh, it's very memorable and it's probably one of the more unique marketing projects of any airlines uh, of the past.
you know, it's we still keep in touch. We met every year uh, up until the COVID hit with um, all the employees, former employees that were based at Walt Disney World. Uh, and they came from out of the country and within the country to have uh, a luncheon together and just reminisce. And uh, hopefully we can get that back again. But the COVID sure put a stop to that, unfortunately. Yeah, and also you just mentioned something I didn't know about. I don't think you did either, Jim Harris uh, or Renee. But there was a little small airline that Disney had up there was operating. You said it was unique. Uh, right. What's that all Shawnee about? Airlines. Shawnee Airlines. Right. They flew from Orlando International Airport to uh, Disney World. There was the, uh, the strip there, the Stoll Port. Uh, right now, I think it's a big parking lot. <laughs> but oh. it lasted for a few a few years. But with the, uh, the different um, developments and with the bus lines and so forth, it became just as easy using the bus rather than the airplane and uh, cost-effective as a uh, customer. Do you happen to remember what kind of airplane they used or helicopter? Uh, no, it was it was a prop, and I, I'm sorry I don't have it in front of my mind, unfortunately, but I will do some yeah. research. <laughs> yeah, probably, probably uh, but, on the order was, of our regional, uh, the Metro liners, I would imagine, somewhere like that. Yeah, and uh, it, that was uh, interesting, and uh, to see that. In fact, my office initially was right there at the Stoleport, and then once wow. we opened up our attraction, I had my office at the attraction. If you had wings, and then when yeah. I moved over here to the Space Coast, um, Ed Northcutt, who's a longtime Eastern uh, uh, member, uh, who has since passed away. He, uh, he he took over uh, the manager sales and service position at Disney until we uh, finished up the contract on it. But uh, it, it, it has a lot of memories and a uniqueness. Uh, you know, you know, Ray, Raymond, we we were so uh, I don't know. Uh, we were in front of all of the other airlines as far as advertising. I'd like to toot our horn about that because our advertising mm-hmm. was just – there was no one that could, could anywhere catch us anywhere. And also the fact that they were able to secure the contract with Disney of, of all the other airlines, and I'm sure they bid. It was a bid, I'm, uh, I, would, I would imagine. Uh, and uh, And also – I'm re- I'm remembering, and perhaps you know a little bit about it. Uh, Jim Harris, you may know a little bit about it because you're in Atlanta, but Six Flags Over Georgia, uh, that theme park. I don't know whether it's still active or still alive, but things, we we were the ones that was awarded the contract to drive the little carts. And I remember they had the Eastern hard hats on and you know the ramp service uh, uniform, and they would drive the passengers from the car parking lot uh, over to the theme park there in Atlanta. Do, do you remember anything about that, Raymond? No, I'm not familiar with that project, uh, okay. unfortunately. But, and that was back, uh, I, I believe. There was, was a lot of marketing. Young yeah. and Rubicon was the yeah. um, ad agency for many yeah. years with Eastern, and uh, yeah. they really brought uh, to life Eastern Airlines, to say the least. Yeah. 
Jim Harris, do you recall what I was talking about, Six Flags Over Georgia, since you were based entirely in Atlanta, I believe, for your life uh, career with Eastern? Uh, do you remember going out to Six Flags and catching some of the rides out there? Yes, I was in uh, I was in Atlanta my entire flying career, and yes, I do. I enjoy, I used to enjoy, I'd been out there more than once to Six Flags, and uh, yes, I remember that particular part of it. it was well and it was... Yeah, it was. I was so proud when I got my family, my kids, when they were small, and we got on those little trams, and we were carried to the uh, entrance of the uh, theme park, Six Flags, by none other than Eastern Airlines personnel wearing uniforms. It was, I mean, the pride of just seeing your company operate those little uh, tram buses or carts. Uh, to and from the parking lot over to the entrance gate. Uh, 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 Renee, did you ever get a chance to go to Disney World during the theme show? Uh, I mean, Disney uh, Eastern's uh, presence there. Did you ever go, Renee? Uh, I must have lost Renee. Okay. Hello, Renee? Ah. At any rate, uh, I'm sure most all employees with Eastern Airlines, whether they were living in Canada or wherever, uh, did come to Disney World. And uh, while Eastern was uh, ruling uh, among all the airlines, and uh, uh, it was it was great to to go and see your company represented in the, the world's greatest theme park to this day. I believe I don't believe there's any others that have come close to what Disney World does. It's been interesting to follow up after, you know, 52 years to see how large and how big a scope it is. Yeah. Uh, it's it's yeah. mind-boggling. But I will say this. Bob Wynn, who was the regional director here in Central Florida, was the, probably the key person that got the head start on this for Eastern and brought in the corporate into uh, meet with the Disney people and to be creative. Bob was very creative, uh, and uh, he was a longtime Eastern employee and uh, in management, and he was very, very uh, strong with his relationship with the community in, in years before Disney opened up. Uh, so he, that's, that's one of the things in marketing is that we really got people into the community, you know, and I use myself as an example, you know, I've been um, chairman of the uh, tourism uh, for the whole county I've been also a president of Junior Achievement. I was chairman of the United Way. We, that was one of the vehicles that really helped us with the community relations mm. to help bring forth uh, the word of what Eastern was involved in and to get the community to support us and to be their uh, respective airline. And that was a key element. Very, very key element. Well, Raymond, do you, do you uh, was there any kind of connection with Eastern Airlines out in Anaheim uh, with uh, Disneyland? Was there any connection not at really. all with our airline? No, not really. Um, you know, I was out in 
first in San Diego, then Los Angeles. And then when I was in Los Angeles, you know, we called on Disney, but not to the direction of what the Disney World project would be. It was uh, strictly uh, a hands-on uh, type of uh, sales call yeah. with the Disney organization. But it was all done here in Florida. And that's where Bob Wynn, who lived here, grew up here. And, uh, in fact, he lived here at uh, – uh, at Patrick Air Force Base on the ocean, that uh, yeah. uh, when he was a Air Force officer, and so wow. you know he grew up here in this area, and th- and that's so important getting the relationship built to build and develop and nurture, uh, and hopefully get the rewards uh, from that benefit. And certainly, it was a big reward uh, with the uh, uh, incremental yeah. revenue that we received. Yeah. And I believe uh, Floyd Hall was the president at the time, and so, so he he must have uh, hand selected him or someone else recommended. But I guess the final approval for the whole thing was Floyd Hall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the, and every day was a new day <laughs> on the project. You know, it was never the same day that uh, we had the day before because something new would develop on a new process, a new procedure, a new attraction uh you just kept kept coming yeah. and coming yeah. uh, with a yeah. lot of new ideas yeah and it's still growing my granddaughter works for disney and she just recently moved she's an accountant she uh, graduated with a degree in accounting and she's started working with disney and she's been with them now for about five years i guess since she graduated and uh recently she got married and moved out to bend oregon and of course she didn't want to leave disney because she loved her job they they don't call them employees they call they call them cast members cast members and um and she was a cast member and she wanted to continue so she talked with her bosses about the fact that she could do her job which she had been doing because of the pandemic uh, for a couple of years and yeah, she convinced them that she could continue doing what she was doing which was basically writing the paychecks for all of the employees uh, the news media espn uh, and the television mm. stations that uh, disney owns and disney and uh so she was telling me some of the people that she wrote checks out like barbara walters i remember i said what did barbara walters make she, uh, uh, Julia? And she said well i i can't disclose that but at any rate, uh, she moved out to Bend, and then she convinced her bosses to let her continue by transferring her over to her own little uh, group, uh, not group, but uh, 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 ESPN. So she was writing the checks out now for ESPN and uh, doing the accounting for uh, how many hours they work and that type of thing. So at any rate, she loves Disney. She really does. She loves it. Well, we have uh, from three generations that have been involved with Disney. Our daughter, uh, Heidi, uh, she was uh, she did the first uh, television ad for Walt Disney World, wow. in which she, it was for Easter, uh, the first Easter um, celebration at Disney, and she was dressed up as a little rabbit inviting people to come. She was like four, <laughs> <laughs> and and she, and. Uh, we still we got a copy of the video. Disney was very kind to give us a copy of that, and, I, and she has it in her possession. And then she did some other ads there for uh, 
Spears Roebuck there at Disney and uh, some, a couple other uh, organizations. And then her son now works at Disney, and he's uh, going to school uh, for his degree and working uh, at one of the uh, restaurants there at the Contemporary. So it's been interesting to follow, see each generation be involved with Disney yeah. some way, somewhat differently yeah. Uh, yeah. as such. And so it's very memorable, very memorable. Fantastic, yeah. Okay, Captain Jim Harris, you're clear to land. That, uh, this is L.A. Tower, Los Angeles Tower. You're clear to land. And uh, here's where, what you would hear now uh, on the radio show. I didn't know that Los Angeles had its own uh, uh, show, a uh, uh, song rather. And I discovered this one. And uh, see what you think of it. It's LA, LA International is the name of the song. It's very good. Yeah. You know, I looked uh, for songs uh, 
from other airlines, I mean uh, airports, like JFK, golly, Pete, if ever an airport needed a song, it would be JFK and also Atlanta and Miami. Some of these uh, uh, airports uh, really deserve a special song about the airport. That's what we call dead air time. <laughs> now you know what it sounds like, dead air time. <laughs> well, anyhow, uh, I want you to hear. There's one other thing I wanted you to hear. And listen to this. It's uh, uh, Alaska Airlines, who the, the song that we played at the beginning of the show, also has one uh, found on the Internet that's very interesting about flight attendants. See what you think of this. It's an interesting uh, uh, video, and also uh, it, it, you can, you can uh, appreciate it, uh, just the audio part of it, without seeing the video, because you can listen to the words and you'll understand what the video is showing. But take a listen to this. The training to become a flight attendant at Alaska Airlines can be very intense. And at times, it can be very challenging. Wow. Okay. But what sets us apart at Alaska Airlines is that we care about you and we are dedicated to your success. Okay, guys, this is where it all starts. Graduation was last night. Yeah, the academics are done. So there you are, and you're beginning to think, you know, I might want to do this. It really is an exciting lifestyle. Looking forward to it? Absolutely. All right. Ready. Do it. You get to travel across the country every single week. If you think about it, that's something that's really done by the super rich and flight attendants. How are you today? I'm doing good. The next step for you is to apply, and once you've done that and you're successful, we'd like to make you an offer. You will be invited, along with 50 other candidates, to our training center in Seattle, Washington, where you'll begin our training program. On the aircraft of the passenger, you're seeing very happy, bright, shiny, smiling flight attendants conducting service on board the airplane and treating the customers very well. But what you don't realize is behind the scenes, there's so much more going on on the aircraft. The training program is going to dive into some areas that you might not be expecting. Remember, stop this exit block, door jam, turn around. When you're there, you'll begin to realize the training program is more than just serving sodas and hot meals but it's all the emergency preparedness, learning the aircraft, learning all of the equipment. Put it on like a, a hospital gown. Hospital gown. Yeah. Believe it or not, you'll be jumping into a very deep pool <laughs> and watching you save your classmates. It was really fun, kind of tiring, but not too bad. A lot easier than I thought it would be. Oh, we did our full drill. It was awesome. It was really fun. Want to do it again? First of all, you'll notice the slide is and in the training center, you'll actually be jumping down evacuation slides and doing all kinds of crazy activities. Nothing that you ever probably imagined you'd be doing in this training program. And you'll 
be doing all of that in as little as five weeks, becoming certified, and getting on the airplane and treating our customers very, very well. At Alaska Airlines, we have a very successful training program, not only because our students graduate and they show us by their actions that they can do whatever is required of them, but we have a very high success rate. Our goal is to get everybody through the program. And of course, at Alaska Airlines, we're very safety conscious. Safety is number one. And uh, with my signature on the form, this will make you an official flight attendant. And you'll be turning this in to get your ID. Thanks. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thank you, Matthew. My name is Matthew Coder. I'm the manager of Implant Services Training, and I've been training and supporting flight attendants for over 25 years here at Alaska Airlines. That's pretty neat, I think, uh, to have a video like that and a good form, I'm sure, of recruiting flight attendants. You know, Jim, I think uh, you and I missed our opportunity when Eastern went under and we were without a job. I think we should have applied for uh, a flight attendant or steward or something like that with another airlines, as so many of our flight attendants went with different airlines and still working today. Raymond, you probably know a few of them, too, that uh, were with Eastern that, that went with other carriers. Well, for example, my wife, Brenda, she was a, a res agent and then became a flight attendant. Wow. And then became a recruiter uh, as such. And she had like nine months of being a flight attendant, and then we got married, and so she had to leave. <laughs> And uh, she was based in Boston, and then uh, she and ended up in Orlando, and uh, she did the recruiting there in Orlando for flight attendant. So that was, a, you know, a, a brief career for her with yeah. Eastern. Her dad worked yeah. for Eastern in uh, uh, supply, and uh, so we are yeah. we've been an Eastern family. In fact, my son worked uh, at the uh, Melbourne uh, Airport. The last uh, year or less of uh, Eastern, last year of Eastern. Uh-huh. So you know, we've had three generations work and uh, lots of interesting stories for all of us. Yeah. You know, my son is, uh, he was with the cargo airline out in California and uh, he married uh, someone that had a, lot, a little bit of money. She was the heiress of the Nokia family. And uh, Nokia over in Finland, so she's Finnish, and and she is a brilliant woman. She went through and got her master's degree in marine biology, then went over and got her doctorate degree in veterinarian medicine, and then she decided, it's by golly, I want to go back to flying because that's where my son met her, uh, instructing. And uh, so she got she got all of her ratings, and then she put in her time, uh, even had a twin-engine airplane to go cross-country and build up time, and went to work for SkyWest in a year and a couple of months. She's now sitting in the left seat of a uh, regional jet, flying for Alaska Airlines, for Delta Airlines, United Airlines, and American Airlines, all four of those uh, airlines. Uh, and she flies the airplanes with those uh, uh, logos on the tail. So uh, she's uh, real happy about doing that, and uh, we're happy to have her in the airline family too. So, But Scott decided that he wanted to teach aerobatics, so he's out with a little small airplanes and teaching uh, aerobatics uh, in, in uh, the San Francisco area. Oh, uh, the Bay Area. Okay, I was yeah. wondering mm-hmm. if it was down yeah. the south end. No, it's over by San Jose where he's actually teaching in a little airport out there by San Jose. 
Interesting. So, Interesting. And he's he's competing. He's teaching uh, also competitive uh, uh, flight uh, aerobatics, and uh, so he really enjoys it. He's he really likes to ring the airplane out and and mess up his uh, equilibrium and blood pressure. And, uh, <laughs> I used to do a little bit of it. Of course, I I stopped doing it when I lost my partner doing an air show. John Cornell, I oh, think boy. you remember that. Then Jim Harris, you remember John. Of course, very well. Yeah. Did, did you ever fly with John Jim Harris uh, uh, as a flight? Yes, I, no, yes, I did. Did you? I did. Okay. Because yes, he's he, a good man, a good person, a good friend, and hell of a good pilot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He really was. Uh, yeah, fifty-one years ago, or fifty-two now. Uh, he was uh, uh, in an air show up in Cumming, Georgia, and uh, mm. went into a spin and crashed, and he was killed. So it's been a long time, and uh, but uh, at any rate, uh, that's that's about all. We, we've got some news here I was going to mention, but uh, I want to bypass that because we've used most of our time just doing open mic. But there are a few things that I talked with Jim Harris about, what he remembers about Morse code and station identifiers in the old days. When we had to navigate and we had to identify the VORs and the ADFs and the ILS approaches and navigation equipment for all of that, we had to identify positively the Morse code that uh, was represented the uh, letter codes of that airport, ATL, and uh, and we had to know the Morse code. But uh, I'll tell you a story now. I never really fully memorized the code. Did you, Jim? Probably not. <laughs> I knew enough of it to get by. But. <laughs> yeah. I I thought to myself, you know, this is ridiculous memor- memorizing Morse code. When I got a map and it has the Morse code dit does uh, at the bottom of the uh, station, and all I have to do is listen for the dit does and dashes, you know. And uh, why do I need to know the Morse code? But uh, it was interesting. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I'm glad I didn't have to fly back in the days of the uh, uh, Curtis uh, Kingbirds and the the, uh, those those airplanes because they had to do their approaches listening to ADF signals, the A and the N identifiers. A and the N, yeah, and uh, ADF it into the airport, boy. And then when there's a uh, electrical storm at the airport, I don't see how in the world they even identified the A and the N Morse code signal because of the static they had to listen to when the lightning hit. <laughs> but uh, oh well, a lot of these, a lot of these approaches were were flown thoroughly by by ground references. They yeah. knew the way in are good enough that. It recognized a hangar or some building or something, and it just did their approach with that. Yeah, that's right. They did. And here's a here's a story that uh, I almost quit the airlines when I saw on one of my first flights we were going into uh, uh, Allentown, Pennsylvania, and uh, I've been there. And, A-B-E. And no, yeah, there was a tower there and everything, but Allegheny had missed their approach, and they were in front of us. It was Allegheny, I think it was, and. And the tower cleared us to land, and uh, I mean the minimums were like zero zero. Today you would have to make a Category Three landing, a fully automatic. But uh, in those days, 
the captain leaned over and told me, hey, Neil, you look outside, and when we get so low, he says, if you see a barn, and told me the color of the barn, he said, let me know. <laughs> That's he's, it. He's flying in and, and uh, letting down. I said, you can't be serious looking looking for a barn. Dead. I didn't. I saw the I saw the barn. And then he says, I got it. And he knew exactly where that runway was from that bar. <laughs> and I thought to myself, if this is the way the airlines navigate it, I don't have anything to do with this stuff. <laughs> but uh, they did that back in the old days. And uh, and then, of course, if, yeah, and if you were flying overseas, you were using ocean stations. Do you remember the old ocean stations? They were kind of buoys, big, huge buoys that had a, a person in there to operate it on shifts. They had their living quarters and everything right there in the ocean. And you that navigated. I did not know. Yeah, and uh, they're in several movies, old movies, and they call them o- Ocean Station Oscar. Or they had names for these ocean stations. And on that ocean station platform was built an ADF transmitting antenna. And so the pilots could uh, tune in. And now this was way back in the days of when the Pan Am Clippers were operating, you know, overseas. And they didn't have any VORs out in the middle of the Pacific or the Atlantic Ocean. So they had these uh, weather stations. They were called ocean stations on the nav uh, charts. So that was an interesting way of uh, navigating. And uh, then along came weather radar, and we got to... uh, got more sophisticated with the uh, GPS, and now I guess everything is GPS just about. Uh, but they still have the, the ILS equipment there to make the precision approaches to the airports. So, Raymond, did you ever get Another. any... Yeah, go ahead, Jim. Jim? I'm sorry, what did you say? I say go ahead, you, uh, you were going to say oh, what if you want to tell you was also at one time, a lot of the navigation was done by light towers on the ground. Yeah. So you would just simply follow these lights. There was one going into a Nashville, Tennessee that I know of. Yeah. Because one of the towers was on my aunt's uh, farm. So one reason I knew about it. Yeah, they called but them the airway to, beacons. Yeah, the airway beacons. I didn't. Yeah. I didn't know what they called them, but yeah, it worked. Yeah. And here's a little trivia for you, Jim and Raymond and uh, Renee, if you're still listening. There's one airway beacon still active. There's one that's still active. Hmm. And the question is, where is it located and what is the name of that beacon? I do not know. Since I know the answer, I'll give it to you. Okay. Please. It's on top, and I forgot which side, the east or west side, of the George Washington Bridge in New York. And it's called the Wiley Post Memorial Radio Beacon. And it still puts out the light. still puts out the light. Now, there was a story a few years ago that I wish I had collected, but uh, I probably could go to the Internet and find it. But they had to replace it, and uh, the beacon itself, uh, I don't know. They probably have to do it ever so often and maintain it. And it told a history of that uh, radio beacon, and they actually use it as a navigational uh, beacon 
for the pilots to get into New York and Newark, uh, and uh, and uh, over to uh, the uh, other airport that was used over there in uh, oh, what was the name of it in Brooklyn area? Uh, anyhow, I can't think of it. Not LaGuardia, because LaGuardia didn't come along back in those days. But um, at any rate, it's called the Wiley Post, and of course we know who uh, Wiley Post was. I think we do. Oh yes. Old. Oh yeah. Okay. okay. So uh, anyhow, well, yeah. Hey Neil. Renee? Yeah. One thing about it, when when you do the Canarsie approach, yeah. Into was it Laguardia? I guess. Uh, yeah. You you stay over the lights. Yeah, they're strobe lights, and and yeah, and yeah. they're 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 directional lights, and you hit one. That, that and was you a fun. Move. That was a fun approach. Oh, it was a lot of fun. I remember one of those uh, beacon lights were uh, flashing. On top of a building, I believe, and um, they were sequenced. So when you hit one, you just make a uh, turn your neck to the right, and you see the next one. And then when you hit that one, you turn your neck, and you see the next one. And it guides you right on into I think I forgot what it was, one tree or something like that at Kennedy. Yeah, that was a fun approach. Interesting approach. Yeah, it was. And then they took the whole thing and put it there in LaGuardia on the runway when I checked out on the A300. As you recall, that airplane, there was some question as to whether we could operate that airplane in LaGuardia, LaGuardia because if you took off on the runway that was out there on the pilings in the water, Jamaica Bay or whatever the bay is out there across the street from, uh, from the prison camp, um, it. You, it, it was too much weight. So they had to uh, position you so that when you taxied, you hit the pilings with your main gear where all the weight was. So they had those flashing lights, and so it directed you. When you got to one, you looked and, and you turned the airplane and faced the other one, and finally it would position you uh, right there at the uh, uh, departure end of the runway. I mean the takeoff end of the runway. It was interesting, and that, that let us go into LaGuardia. Probably people don't know about that either. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> Neil, but I anyhow. remembered the aircraft. Uh, it was the De Havilland. De Havilland. Okay. Right. Yeah, that's a high wing airplane. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You don't see them around hardly anymore. No, you sure <laughs> don't. Probably seated about ten people. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why it uh, it was short lived. Short lived. Yeah. But yeah. the DC three didn't seat a lot more than that. No, it seated twenty eight people, or twenty two, yeah. or twenty eight. Yeah, it was in the twenties. And then Jim, they had the sleeper, the DST, the the uh, the uh, the sleeper airplane. I remember DC three, DC three sleeper. And uh, they had little upper berths that uh, that night they'd pull them down, and if you had paid for a sleeping sleeping berth, then of course you crawl in on that one, kind of like the railroad trains. I don't know how you could ever sleep, but it was available. Yeah, it was available. Yeah. Now uh, I guess the seating in these modern airplanes are designed so that you can. Almost have a bed there and uh, an entertainment center looking at you. Raymond, have you been in one of the modern airplanes today, like a 777 or a Dreamliner? Uh, 
not of the past couple of years, no. I would. I have to say, no, I've been on much smaller airplanes. I haven't done the air travel like I used to, which is fine. Yeah. <laughs> we do more cruising than flying. <laughs> Are you still associated with the cruise ships? No, uh, no, we're not. Uh, you know, we we finished up COVID. Yeah, yeah, and and also I forgot we're old enough that uh, we don't have to work anymore, or we shouldn't be working anymore. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh golly! Oh, the, the old yeah, days. A, 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 a story that I had when I worked on the ticket counter in Miami is that we. We had the supervisor come up to a couple of uh, uh, the male agents, but they asked us if they would join and go down to uh, the gate. We had a, a couple of oversales, and he wanted us to uh, go down and help out on it. So we, I think there was four of us. We walked down the, uh, uh, the ramps down to the, the gate area, and we said, okay, uh, Go ahead and board your airplane, and what you have left over, we'll take care of. Well, they said they did. What happened is it was one of those rare errors, uh, reservations that double booked the flight. So we had, I think it was around over 100 passengers that we had to escort back. Oh, my God. I'll never forget those days, you know. Those are the things that you look back on and, uh, you know, have some memories. Yeah. Uh, Fortunately, 99% 99% of the people you know, were understandable and, you know, they uh, worked with us and uh, yeah. made things happen for them on it. So, yeah. but that's part of the life of the industry. You just, you know, it's always things can happen, you know, yeah. as such. Yeah. Well, there's a uh, uh, question. Is uh, Brenda a member of the Silverliners? Yeah, she's joining the Silverliners. Right. Great, great. They got one in Melbourne now. Yeah, so right. Got, space yeah. Coast. yeah, yeah, yeah. And you ought to join as an affiliate member. I did with the Jacksonville chapter here, and oh, uh, man, right? I, I, yeah, I really enjoy it. You get that great book that Brenda Chabot, who is one of our hosts, and she apologized mm-hmm. today for not being able to come on. She's putting the the the, uh, the magazine to bed. And it'll be published now, so she's fine-tuning it, so it'll be sent out to all the silver liners. But uh, uh, it's a great organization, and I really enjoy it, too. I enjoy attending, and uh, they like affiliate members. Yeah. Oh, good. Oh, good. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, think about it. They like to hear stories from the ground, too. So um, I went in. I had to buy my way in. We always have a story. Yeah, we always have a story. But uh, That's for sure. with your background, I'm sure you'll be in demand for speaking at those luncheons they have. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, it'll be interesting. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. you know, I, I wanted to thank you, Neil, for you know, all the support and efforts that you put into this program. You know, it's important for uh, those of us, all of us, that yeah. uh, have been involved with the airline industry because it's a it's an evolution of change that we see and more coming. And, you know, tonight, uh, not tonight, tomorrow night, we've got the launch of uh, the, the four astronauts, hopefully, uh, from Kennedy Space Center, and hopefully leading us to another travel adventure of the future that we don't know 
more about, but it just keeps evolution, evolution after evolution. Yeah, it sure does. Well, we'll sit out on our porch and watch it as it goes by if it's a night flight. Well, it's at, it's at 1.45 a.m. on Monday, so I don't know oh, if you okay. want to be up there. Yeah. That late? No, because we sit out in front and we can see them go, go by, go up, yeah. and go away. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's very interesting. So, well, anyhow, okay, our hour is up, and you know the the new show that we're going to be doing on Mondays is going to be nothing but uh, stories and memories that Eastern people, whether ramp people, or mechanics, or flight attendants, or reservationists. Uh, all stories that we have uh, collected and we're going to do and present it until we run out of stories, I guess. Or uh, I run out of breath. But uh, Harry Lindquist and I will be doing that. And the first one is March 6th. So tune it in. Listen. No call-ins. Just listen to the uh, stories as presented. And it's all about Eastern Airlines. So. Going to turn the controls over now to none other than our famous Captain Hop Harrigan. It's going to take us out of here, land the airplane, and uh, we'll see you again next week. Jim, Renee, Raymond, thank you so much for being with us. You're welcome. Great show. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Feeling well, hundred, all clear. Okay, this is Hop Harrigan. Coming in on a wing and a prayer Coming in on a wing prayer. Though there's one motor gone, we can still carry on, coming in on a wing and a prayer. What a show, what a fight. Yes, we really hit our target for tonight. How we sing as we limp through the air. Look below, there's our field over there. With our full crew aboard and our trust in the Lord, we're coming in on a wing and a prayer. How we sing as we limp through the air. Look below, there's our field over there. With our full crew aboard and our trust in the Lord, we're coming in on a wing and a prayer. Fading out.
out of sight Don't leave me, I cry Don't take that airplane ride But you locked me out of your mind And left me standing here behind Silver wings Shining in the sunlight Roaring engines Headed somewhere in flight They're taking you away Leaving me lonely Silver wings Slowly fading out of sight Taking you away and leaving me lonely. Silver wings slowly fading out of sight. Slowly fading. Out of sight.